Hey guys, this is Ronnie. Just a reminder, these are old episodes, and if you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Rebooted channel on YouTube, and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. And announcing a new podcast with Ed Greer, Ron Swallow, and producer Bill called The Greatest Pod. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. In addition, if you want to support us monetarily, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash thegreatestpod, and you can sign up for the $5 tier that gets you extra podcasts, or sign up for the $7 tier that gets you the extra podcasts and art sent directly to your house. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. The Mumbo Gumbo, the Pop Art Reboot Crew, the Classic Logo, and then, of course, the Rebooted Drinking Game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan-favorite comments. So, do yourself a favor. Go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So, thanks for listening and thanks for supporting Reboot It. At a major Hollywood studio, in a corner office of Sub-Basement D, the development executives toil in obscurity to Reboot It! Welcome back to Reboot It! The show for the golden age of IP, where all of your favorite properties will get reboots whether you want them or not. We are here to try to make those reboots as good as they can be under the auspices of super producer John Peters. Mm -hmm. So, to my left, as always, the host of Hot Takes with Billy Business and a senior producer at Screen Junkies, Billy Business. Uh, to paraphrase Warner Herzog... Rebooting is a complicated profession. <laughs> uh, this one is the mother of all reboots. This is going to be a ride. And along for the ride, on my right, the co-hosts of the Nerd Goat podcast, Ed Greer, Ron Swallow. Hello. Hey, guys. This, I direct all hate mail to somebody else. Man. <laughs> I'll take your hate yeah, mail. Send it you to send me. it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Ronswallow at gmail.com. Send it. And the reason why we're inviting your hate mail is because we know you are going to have strong opinions as we reboot Star Wars. Not just Star Wars, people. The entire Skywalker saga. And this is where I want to start. What was the story from episode one to episode nine of the Skywalker saga? What's the story? This is an interesting game of telephone. Because right. I'll, 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 I'll just put a bit of context on it. You think Star Wars and you think, well, it's the story of a young farm boy who is drawn into this rebellion and becomes a magic ninja to save the galaxy. That is not the story of the Skywalker saga. It just isn't. That is literally the middle of the Skywalker mm. saga as we know it today. So, again, understanding that the original trilogy is the holy trilogy. How do we tell a story that is different enough, but also faithful enough that people will give it a chance and might actually like it? So first question Billy, yes. what is the Skywalker saga? So for me, you know, when you pose this question to us beforehand, I, I really had to think about it because each trilogy kind of has its own story, its own message. But I think when you look at it from episode one all the way through Rise of Skywalker, to me, it seems like Star Wars is about 
basically two families, two feuding families, the Skywalkers and to an extent the Palpatines. And it is the kind of the drama between these two families with history as the backdrop, the war is the backdrop. So I see Star Wars, not so much in the vein of like a Lord of the Rings or Star Trek where it's like big fantasy. I see it more as like a historical drama, more in the sense of Godfather or Gone with the Wind, where it is the story of Palpatine torturing three generations of this family and ultimately his his own family coming into the mix at the end. Uh, with the backdrop of of civil war behind them, I, I I cannot disagree with that take. I think that that's a good take. But Ed, Ron, what are your thoughts? What is the Skywalker saga? Yeah, Star Wars hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it is the story about choosing when you getting when you get power, choosing to resist the temptation to do evil with it. Let me put even finer a point on it. As long as we're communicating that message, it doesn't matter what we do. I mean, obviously, I like Jedi and I like the force and all of that stuff. Yeah. You know, but to me, that's really what it's about. It's about like you've got these powers and you can use them for doing good things or you can use them through anger and hate and you make that choice. Got it. Hmm. Ed, describe the Skywalker saga for me. I mean, on a lot of levels, it's like um, Pee Wee League football dad or something, you know, like you, you think that you're the one who's supposed to bring balance to the force. Nah, you're just a dumb little pilot kid and a, and a sullen teen and a, and a robotic old man who sucks. And then you raise the kid who's going to do the balance of the force thing. It ain't him either, though. Your genes are too bad. He, he's he, he's the, he's not going to bring balance to the force, really. He's going to influence you to throw an old man down a well. And then the last generation, somebody you don't even know, some lady you don't even know and got to talk to for five seconds is the one who really brings all the majesty around. And then her, her sidekick is your grandson. That's to me is kind of it's like it's like coming to terms with the fact that you're not the NFL player. You're not the you're not the professional athlete. Somebody else and somebody else's, you know, somebody else gets to gets to realize your dream. All, all these dreams and prophecies that you feel come upon you as a human. A lot of times it ain't you. It's yeah. the next generation or the generation after I, that I that are really you. important. I mean, Star Wars has always been about legacy and exactly. how do you either live up to it or overcome it? Yep. And I think legacy is a huge part of that. Well, I'll I'll just say to me in an objective sense, because I don't I don't have like the deep love of Star Wars that I know certainly Ron has. And I think that you do as well. For me, in an objective sense, it is literally the story of Sheev Palpatine. The, the Skywalker saga is misnamed. It is the hmm. Palpatine story. It is the story of a guy at the tail end of, you know, a, a huge civilization makes a power play and it lasts for 50 years. And everything else is a little bit subservient to that underwriting story. And maybe that's not the story that we're going to tell or reboot here, but. Well, the rebooted drinking game will include me mentioning that in Die Hard, the villain is the protagonist. Well, there you go. Right. And so the, the, drink up, buddies, because that's <laughs> that's what you're saying. Sheev yeah. is the person who's got the great plan. And if these people would just stop screwing up my plan, dropping me down holes and and convincing each other to lie against me when I don't want them to. Sometimes I want them to, but sometimes I don't. Yeah. This mastermind that keeps getting foiled by the real emotions and the real, you know, do-gooderism of a whole bloodline. 
And I think that that's maybe a good place to bring up the fact that, you know, as great as they are and as beloved as they are, every single one of these Star Wars movies is just cobbled together from a story perspective. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. On their own, they work, most of them work as really tight little movie. The prequels, not necessarily tight, but like they, you know, they speak to their own themes and they they tell a nice story within themselves. But when you try to string them together into a saga, like there's so much retconning. There's so much stuff that like just was never planned. And then they just had to retrofit from, you know, once it once it was introduced. And so I think part of our task here, too, is like, how do we make a self-consistent mythology and just as a for instance, I don't want to get hung up on this, but like, you know, this idea of Luke and Leia being brother and sister and that being somehow important to the story. That was not even introduced until the, I don't I don't think they were even thinking about that until the third movie. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do we tell a story that takes that into account from the beginning and actually makes that important to the tale we're telling? Or I'll ask, do we have to? You know, I do think it's interesting. The one, the one thing that it's, it's kind of a bummer that they didn't realize Luke and Leia were brother sister until it was too late. Was it's so, it's so interesting to see the paths that they take and the mirrors that there could have been, knowing that they were related, but one is literally a peasant and one's a princess. Uh, but we never get that kind of uh, dichotomy because they don't know that they're related. So it's like, instead of making it a mystery, if you were still to do the Luke and Leia or the brother sister characters, I would let that be known at least to the audience, like right away, because then we start to draw so much more from their interactions, knowing that they were separated at birth and one kind of got screwed. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to keep Luke and Leia, the protagonists of your story, as opposed to telling either an Anakin story or a further generation story, then, yeah, I mean, their most interesting conflict you want to talk about bringing balance to the force and in Rise of Skywalker, they introduced this concept of the dyad like right there. You have the perfect opportunity for you want to talk about balance twins separated at birth, living totally different lives, going in totally different directions. Their synthesis could be a great bit of balance. But I don't know. Let me let me throw it to you so guys. The, the parent trap. Well, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but Ron as Ron as our as our big Star Wars head on the, at the table. Um what do you think is is just sort of indispensable when it comes to the characters? Like, what's the, the, the basic setup that just has to be there? What do you mean? Like, do we need to have, and maybe this is a question that should be obvious, but I think it's worth asking. Do we need to have Luke, Leia, Chewbacca, Han Solo? Like, are the, is, is that core, the original trilogy's cast, our core characters in the movie that we're doing? It's one of those things where, like, because we're rebooting it, I, it seems dangerous if you're rebooting Star Wars to be like, hey, hey, we have Jay Skyhooper, <laughs> you know, you know, instead of Luke Skywalker. I, I don't know. I'm obviously making a joke, but I'm saying, like, it seems dangerous in a selling sense. Yeah. Uh, to to not use those characters. Well, um, uh, it's my... dangerous no matter what we do. <laughs> yeah. But it seems super dangerous to not use the characters. My original Teen Wolf-esque character called uh, Sky Hooper. I'm just <laughs> going to spin that off into its own Airbud-esque <laughs> franchise. You lose. No, but uh, as far as things that, that must be, me personally, I think it has to be somebody's history or legacy or family 
against the tides of war. And that's it. It can be any character we can we can make uh, we can make Anakin or we can make like Luke and Leia. You could make Anakin doing the thing that leads to the thing. Cause as we're saying, we're not just doing what they did, trying to make one perfect movie. We're trying to set up a system yeah. where we can get nine actual movies that seem like they were woven together on purpose, not by happenstance, but not, not by retconning, not by the force was blurring everyone's mind. And that's why the Jedi <laughs> got shot in the back like so losers. Then, so then the real question is, should we start at the beginning? I think that is the question, because mm-hmm. to a certain extent, like the the first six movies are Anakin Skywalker's story. Yeah. You know, I think where it becomes the Palpatine story is the fact that it continued on beyond that. But like, is Anakin Skywalker the protagonist? Like, do we start with Anakin Skywalker in our first movie? Do we tell the story in the same order that Lucas did? Do we tell the story in the chronological order of prequels, original sequel, or do we pick a whole new order entirely? Yeah, And do, are we um, um, subservient to the central like space Hitler dogma? Sure. Because I think one of the things that makes this whole thing not hold up is in the prequels, just we're looking at, utter evil he looks evil he talks evil he quacks evil hard the whole disagree. time hard disagree i i think that takes me out of it no i so to me i do think that look retroactively and plus the sequel trilogy we kind of do learn that it's like this three generations of a family have mm. basically had their entire families be broken apart by one family the palpatines uh, or at least one guy but now knowing that and starting over again, I feel like you you kind of lean into the Greek tragedy of it all, mm. because now we never really under like in the comic books now and stuff, we can figure out like Darth Vader actually wasn't the biggest fan of Palpatine once he was in that suit. But I want to see from the beginning how could this this feud and I would even add more to the Palpatine side, honestly. I'd almost I kind do of agree. Romeo and Juliet, the Montagues and the Capulets, but how do you make this space war or this this fight between these two families echo through generations and i think i would start it with the son and the daughter there's been feuding families and we start with the brother and sister we know their brother and sister they don't i i mean i like that and i think what you're getting at too that that we should hash out is what and maybe the star wars heads can start but like what is the empire you know what I mean? Right. Like, like Ed said earlier, we, they were They're basically Nazis. just space Nazis. Yeah. Right. But, but like Palpatine being this guy who just wants power for power's sake, I get, but like he needs, if he's going to be, if he's going to be one of these feuding families, we need to know where the feud comes from. We need to know what he wants. Like, what is his plan? If he's the right. one who's planning, and see, th- this is where, this is what I'm getting at. I, I, if we're going to have Sheev and that whole jazz in here, man, we have to, it's almost like the Grendel story, right? Where you give a little credence to why the Grendel comes down to the meat halls to break everything up. I agree with that. We have to give him a real deal reason. And there, the Skywalkers being imperious jerks, and we explore, not necessarily all of them, but some of them being a little bit of that, 
uh, some of them not being shielded from their real heritage by the way that they're raised in a certain situation. I love all that. Let's get into that. But like Palpatine as this twist his mustache, I hate you guys for no reason, Jazz. That to me is utterly uninteresting. And that's what pulled me out of it. I've I've also always thought that the reason Palpatine did that stuff. Well, first off, I also know from reading all of the extended universe books that uh, a big thing for the Empire is hating other races. Most of the time, they won't work with anybody who's not human. um, And it's very rare that they do. And when they do, they only use them as like cannon fodder. Like they're like, so a big part portion of that is basically racism. Um, I mean, look, I'm down with seeing a galactic scale genocide. I mean, mean, at least because here's the thing, like I get the, you know, Star Wars being children's stories like that's that's very heavy. But I also think that that's at least something I can wrap my head around because power for power's sake is so distant. It's mm-hmm. so like it's so theoretical. Like I don't get it as as a motivation on a visceral level. If it's like I hate that I have to share my food and my air and my spaceships with all these disgusting creatures. And so all I want is to just eradicate them from the galaxy. I get that. It's also pure evil, but like it's a relatable motivation. But and also, even if it was one of those situations where it's more like the refugees thing, right? The Skywalkers go have a grand space adventure being real cool guys and then drop off a bunch of bums and refugees from some Death Star that they saved or whatever in uh, Palpatine's crib. Like, hey, here you go. Here's a bunch of new citizens for you to handle because we're a rich fiefdom and you're just a little vassal to handle that. And he's like, no, you guys don't get to do stuff like this to me. Maybe not that exact story, but like yeah. Something the Skywalkers, just, were... just the gentrification of uh, of Skywalker. I'm kind of getting excited now because like <laughs> the Skywalkers, I, them being so unassailable and Sheev being so crappy, that has bothered me this whole time. So if we could just add a little storytelling. But again, that. that's where I say, like, let's find the core of what is already in Star Wars mm. and mine it out. I think there's something very interesting that at their at their zenith around episode four and episode end of episode three, Palpatine and Anakin don't really like each other. It's now a relationship uh, yeah. of necessity. So what if, you know, you're, you're in a scenario where, uh, Palpatine again, creates Darth Vader, maybe not in the sense that we know him, but he was the one that plucked this guy out and brought him up. And then it, everyone started seeing how powerful uh you know anakin skywalker was and we play on that jealousy of the sith and that's where you like palpatine turns on vader that's why the kids have to go into hiding but i'm saying let's mine what's already there which is the contentious nature of that relationship because there's something that he says in episode three that i think is the absolute the the thesis statement of star wars palpatine says everyone that has power is afraid to lose it. And I think that ultimately drives the Jedi, it drives the Sith, it drives every single person for the rest of those movies. So if you start the whole saga with that thesis statement, everyone that has power is afraid to lose it. Now you're getting into like some Game of Thrones territory and you can get really Mm -hmm. kind of like tragic. That's what makes it epic, mythic. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And I I I think the other important thing is to realize that while these dark side guys are dark side guys, they have reasons behind the like, you know, like mm-hmm. even Anakin, when he goes dark side, it's because he wants to bring order to the galaxy and he wants to bring, you know, his girlfriend back to life, which obviously we don't necessarily have to do. But the the, the idea behind it is 
is he he thinks that this is the type of thing like sometimes you got to make sacrifices to to bring order to the galaxy. So in his head, he's doing what he thinks is the right thing. And I think even Palpatine, even though he's a little more over the top, is still doing what he thinks is the right thing. And uh, and and even though we all can see that it's not, you know, very Thanos. Yeah, I think Thanos is, is a great touch point because I think what we're talking about here is not making Palpatine sympathetic necessarily, yes, correct. but he's understandable. Yeah, he has mm-hmm. he has a real like point of view and he's he has a real need, even if it's a really messed up need. And and I, I like that. I think where we're starting to skirt into then is like, how do you really define the Jedi and the Sith? And how does that relate to what Palpatine wants, what Anakin wants? what this Anakin's family might might want for, for him. You know, and, and the reason I bring that up is because I've always really loved the idea of the rule of two and that, you know, Vader. And again, this was something that was grafted on way after the fact, but yeah. like Vader and Palpatine having that relationship. Um, that said, the idea of the Sith being just basically a cult that wants power for power's sake is another thing that I think is a little bit weird. I and and I, I maybe we can't talk about the Sith and the Jedi without talking about the Force and what is that and what does that represent and like mm. because this is it's so funny how all these story points sort of like it's it's trickle down storytelling you know. Well, the Force becomes the the thing that binds the lineage. You mm. know, it becomes a thing that is the power that can change the galaxy because obviously one of the main themes when you really break down star wars and i'm not trying to be super smart or whatever but like it is about special people and what they decide to do right because everybody knows the proletariat in all of these movies no matter how how many times you cut to wedge and tellies nobody cares it is about two basically aristocratic situations warring over years and then all of us getting dragged into it so if we can figure out some way to make that more writ large or make it more like i mean i've seen 1917 so it's fresh in my brain some star wars movie that's about like the like you can accomplish your specific goals but it doesn't really change the overall war that everybody's been dragged into every time we do a star wars movie it seems like they try to make it like except for the middle ones at the end of them the war's over yay jump right. up, everybody's dancing but it's obviously not true because they're the freaking rebels 30 years hence. That's, you know, I mean, that's an interesting point, because I think that that then goes back to Palpatine's and what is Palpatine's end game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that, you know, ultimately he wants to end the war. Also, he just wants to end it in his favor. And so maybe we need to get into a little bit like. What is what is that plan? And then how does it satisfy both him as a character, but also his mission as a Sith? You know what I mean? And I think that. So first off, I don't know about murdering everybody because I don't think like they murder when it's like totally necessary and if they feel like it. Mm-hmm. But like it's also like I, I I, mean, I hate to do this, but slavery. Interesting. Because then it's a workforce that's free. Well, I but- mean, like, you know, like all the things that would be like a very cold, rational, yet also insane, horrible well, I don't want to I don't want to get too George Lucas on this, but the the geopolitics of that or the economic politics of that sort of confuse me because it becomes this question of like, all right, what what are they doing that that huge slave force is going to be a real boon to them? Like, it still feels like they're doing it just to be jerks, whereas I, I really want to nail down on like, 
okay, you have an, a galactic scale conflict going mm-hmm. on. You have these two mystical sort of sides of the conflict that are then embodied in these two lineages that we've been talking about. What is what is the conflict over? You know what I mean? It, and that's that's why I said, like, genocide makes a certain amount of sense just yeah, because, like, the does. racial purity of it. We went th- we've went through that in our lives. So it's, you know, in, in, in the in human history. So, like, I get that. But if it's not that. I don't want it to just be control. I want to control oh, because man, like that's- I hate to bring them to this, but um, if all the Skywalkers are some other race. Interesting. I mean, I don't and, think they need to be. It could no, just be the but, philosophies, but, oh, but that's also, interesting. Also, like what, what kind of race though, before we well, go? Well, oh, yeah. it can be Bothets. Like it almost doesn't matter. Like it's the basic idea being like, he doesn't want anyone who has the force not being humanoids. Why does he care about the force? Um, because that's what gives him all his ability to control uh, everything that happens. But then which why gives does he want that power. control? Well, for you see, it's a snake. It's a snake eating its own tail is what I'm trying to say is like, well, yeah, he wants he wants to control the force because the force gives him power and that power allows him to control the galaxy. But then why does he want to control the galaxy? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like I, I and to me, maybe I'm I mean, very simple too much, but I feel like the story. Okay, grows so if we're if we're talking about him, I mean, okay, the problem with this is then you have to do. Do you want to do flashbacks to Emperor Palpatine's childhood where as a kid, his life is chaos until he comes in to the force? There's yeah, war on his land or, you know, there's his family's in trouble all the time. There's just a bunch of chaos in his life. And as soon as he becomes into the force, he, you know is angry about everything and that allows him to see these weak points and where he can gain control and he can bring his family into stability and then once he brings his family in stability well now he can bring the town in disability when he brings the town in disability you Palpatine see what i'm saying pablo escobar i mean in a way <laughs> i mean or i think you just lean into and actually the... that's yes <laughs> i think you lean into the force and maybe it's it's something where Palpatine wants to be in control because he believes that's what the force has told him. He was this purpose. That's what he's meant to do. Oh, that's you know, interesting too. The a Sith, religious zealot. Right. The Sith have, you know, uh, they always say, especially now, like with the new Canon uh, of star Wars books, it's like, uh, that visions of the future are very dangerous and that you shouldn't put too much stock in them because that is the will of the dark side. They can be misinterpreted, misrepresented. So if Palpatine truly believes I am supposed to bring peace, but look what you have to do to bring peace. It becomes, yeah, this warped kind of sense of, of and he can, and he can warp it like, so, well, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm passionate. Well, you know, like all, all the things like that you do to, I want to get in. I want to get into that distinction of like between the Jedi's and the Sith, because I think you have a really clear idea in your head and I want us to pick it apart. Yeah. But I do think there's something in what you're saying where it sounds almost like if ISIS won, you know what I mean? Like if ISIS suddenly took over half the world, what is ISIS's mission? Well, the mission is just to live life according to this really strict interpretation of the Quran. Why? Well, because that's how you get to heaven. And so if you play Palpatine more as like a religious zealot, as like, I the, fo- like that. the force wants this, I'm going to do what the force wants because and the because is where like, does he think that he will be rewarded in some way? Like, what is, what is it promising? I don't know if we need it, but I mean, that's where my mind. Again, goes. that's well, why I say stability. Because he believes he is 
the balance of the force. What does he know? what does he believe about the force? What does he believe about the force, though? I think all I think Palpatine either either is a Jedi or there's no distinction, but anyone that oh, believes that believes in the force believes that the force is the path of things that cannot be changed. It is fate. And he believe, but it, what he either doesn't realize or doesn't want to accept is that that path can be manipulated or mm-hmm. visions of that path can be manipulated. So he feels like, you know, a lot of his beef with the Jedi, if they're trying to stop him is like, you guys are supposed to be followers of the force and trust in the force. Well, the force told me I'm the guy that's supposed to do this. And all of you are trying to stop me. Interesting. So it's almost like he's Dr. Manhattan trying to tell everybody to see the world as he sees it. Like, right. There is one path. It is there. If you open your mind to it, and this is what it is. I'm telling you, I see it. If you look, you will see it too. Right. And it just becomes like, all I'm trying to do is make the future happen. But and the force this is where, world. And that's great because that's where Anakin comes in because he gets some visions and thinks that as well. Or starts to lean towards that in some way. And when Emperor Palpatine starts seeing that happen, that's when he starts trying to show I, him. I would just, just, to, just to be a monkey in the ranch. Please. I straight up think it'd be just as good for Anakin to be freaking Palpatine. Because that's one thing we've never, ever got entreated to that was very interesting about the last Star Wars jazz is ultimate Emperor Kylo Ren. Now, they fumbled it. They fumbled out of the ball. You know, they Leon let it right at the goal line. <laughs> but that could have been so interesting. I Some, somebody too. that powerful, that weird, that zealous as the tip top. Because if you look at Palpatine, the one thing that uh, maybe it's rubbing me wrong, but like, you're right. He's such a powerful person who chose to obfuscate and hide his power to go through some goofy ass due process to do something where he could have just frankly taken it. The way that they set it up, he could have literally whipped out a, a, a laser sword in front of open court and handled everybody. The way that they play it in the movies, it seems like he could have done that. But all these machinations start coming in so that we can fulfill this history. All I'm saying is if yeah. we're rebooting it, let's get nuts. And I'm not saying we have to do this. I'm saying I, it, I would just as soon have Anakin be the first person who gets enough force power all to himself to make the world what he wants it to be. And it's the start of the Empire or somebody like that. The decision to show the beginning of how the Empire took over robs like so much sort of unspoken history that you get from the original trilogy where, you know, it feels like this oppressive regime has been in charge for like hundreds of years. And, you know, all that's left of anybody willing to stand up to them is this plucky band of resistance fighters. Yeah. Whereas like, no, literally all the people who used to be in charge of the government are still alive in this time period. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. So I don't know if we need to get into the machinations at all. I mean, I think Palpatine could just be the last emperor in a series of emperors going back a thousand years. Like we don't need to see the fall of the Republic. Maybe Palpatine's motivations aren't as important if we kill him in like the, the the midpoint of the movie or something. You know what I mean? Like let let Vader fulfill the rule of two and then Vader becomes the problem. Well, also just like I said, not to go to rip everything all apart, but the whole concept that like, I just think the force to me, what's cool about it and what we never really get to see, see is like, obviously there are things like force lightning that bad people do. But if we could kind of expand upon if you are of a certain mindset and you use the force, and it becomes indoctrinated as that's the way to use the force. So the way to use the force is the militaristic way, choke you, flip up stuff, telekinesis, really mean stuff. That's what all these Sith, the Sith army that exists, 
can do. And that's why they've taken over everything. But the Jedi are just plucky little jerks in the forest playing flutes and stuff. They're not. The one thing that rubbed me so raw in the prequels was they were like, we're the bosses of everything. We're, we're, we're the bosses. We're, we, we don't control anything, but you got to well, ask that, us everything. That's what necessitated the machinations on Palpatine's part, right? Yeah. Like the fact that he needed to put everything in place where like he could execute Order 66. He had a standing army that was like loyal to him, standing by at the ready so that it just happened. He gets rid of the Jedi and now there's nobody to stand in his way. Yeah, I think there's something to the idea that like maybe the Jedi aren't the Jedi that we saw in those prequels. I don't know. What do you guys feel? I mean, not, I don't like that not, at all. Not sure yet. My okay. first instinct is to be like, no, nah, that. But I, I'm trying not to do that because we're doing reboot it. So, yeah. like, uh, like I mean, it's an interesting concept. Um, now, would the story then be of the Jedi? Do they learn that the Force can be used a different way than they've been using it to defend themselves and still not go dark? Like, maybe the reason they don't use the Force like that is because they commune with animals all the time, and or or whatever they're doing with it. Um, I mean, honestly, my feeling is that the force should do less than we saw it do in the Star Wars movies. I sort mm -hmm. of feel like the force, maybe it's literally just if you open yourself to the force, you see visions of the future. And if you don't open yourself to the force, then it's just it's almost like Donnie Yen's character in Rogue One. Like, it's just something that you sort of believe in like a god, just that it's going to comfort you and give you peace. But you're not moving stuff with your mind. You're not projecting yourself across the galaxy. You're not shooting lightning from your fingers. Why do you have to do all that stuff? I don't know. Because um, it's, it's fucking cool. rad? <laughs> yes, because it it's cool. looks cool on film? I know, but like we've seen it. So now what are we going to do with it? That's that's sort of my question. I mean, that, that is interesting because as, as many people have pointed out, the whole thing about Jedi Knight, people who fight hand in hand, was it was supposed to be. This was a grand old age with, uh, you know, horse drawn buggies and stuff for the Star Wars universe. And, and now we're in this, ah, you got to fly a ship all the time and shoot. And then we went back to the prequels and everybody was flying and shooting at the very time that they were at the height with their swords. It's like. What? Yeah, like, I mean, I, I want the, uh, the EU, not the EU, but the old Republic situation where it's like everybody doesn't seem to have a phaser all the time. And it's some weird situation where these vassals and this Game of Thrones and stuff can happen without being so we've seen spaceships and stuff contrasted with this. And there'll always be spaceships. But like, <sighs> I, I think here, I think the Jedi in this reboot should be the thing that Alec Guinness basically alluded to in the original Star Wars, which is it is an ancient sect that nobody believes in, of which there are of which there are no remaining members. And I think that it becomes this thing where, like, if we're going to have Jedi, it's because they're rediscovering something that has been lost to history, not just a bunch of dudes who were murdered like 20 years ago. Well, and suppressed, right? If indeed the general usage of the force is militaristic, whether it's just shooting, whether it's shooting lightning or shooting your your mind and being a real evil Hitler soldier with, you know, perfect precision, sure. right? The people who use the force most often are rough and tumble jerks with it, like a lot of these karate masters. But there are a few people like the Shaolin monks of the force who are just kind of don't get into all that stuff. And they're just, and they must be now what if the force, I mean, what if the force was like transcendental meditation? So transcendental meditation is fallen out of favor. But like in the 70s, there were literally people who believed that if you achieved the right mental state while meditating, you could fly. Yeah. You could literally elevate your body. Yeah. And now we're like, yeah, that's nonsense. What if the force was that? And what if what if like one of the big inciting incidents of this movie is like, oh, 
somebody actually achieves that crazy thing. Like somebody could actually read somebody's mind or maybe, maybe, maybe it is levitating. Like I'm not married to anything. I'm just throwing ideas out. But like, if uh, actual evidence of the powers saying, that have always the, been hinted at this ancient religion, the force is just the force is basically the Bible. But then suddenly a dude shows up who can walk on water. And that's where the Jesus metaphors will end because I don't like Jesus metaphors. But <laughs> just from just from that standpoint of treating it as something rare and weird and like not really at play in the everyday world of these characters. And it does make a lot of sense in some ways because. If you think about people in general, they would freak the f out if if that's very rare. If if it's not rare and you see Jedi's doing flips over things all the time and you know mind choking people or whatever, then you wouldn't be as surprised by it. But if Emperor Palpatine That's what I'm saying. So then shows up and is this guy who's literally floating. Oh, see or whatever. But wait, can I can I interrupt you? Just because what I was saying is Palpatine has no power. Palpatine is not superpowered. Oh, okay. He sees Anakin Skywalker achieve whatever he achieves, and suddenly the wheels start to turn. It's like oh. that's it's like, oh my God, I can execute this end game that my crazy religious cult has always believed was within our grasp. And now it's like I have the first real evidence that this is a real thing. I got to say, I like that 100 percent better than using up so much power that I got to be you moved around on an erector set, even though that was really sick. <laughs> like, honestly, it was really good. But like, yeah, if the powers are demean you that much, that was that's the cool thing. He's like a priest that doesn't believe in this. That's all I'm saying. Or he's a he's a priest that's never seen that. He's a priest who believes in God, but has never felt God. You know what I mean? And then yeah. what does it do to you when you see the face of God? Yeah, and, and the Salieri thing, right? A the, little bit of that, too. Yeah. A little it, bit of like, I've been practicing this my whole life and exactly. I moved a salt shaker one time, but I didn't really do it. I made it up. I've always <laughs> I've always wanted to unlock this power and I've never been able to. But the thing I can do is control the guy who has the power. I don't know. I I feel like Ed and I are getting real jazzed, and you guys are like, I hate all of. This. I mean, I do. I do. I do. Yeah, I, absolutely. But I love no, Star Wars, so this this just sounds like an insult to Star Wars. But it's fine. Uh -huh. Well, no, Ed's just openly insulting Star Wars I, I this whole time. But I think Ed I think ultimately okay. I do what not. you guys are guys, getting off on. Hey, Mel. <laughs> uh, what you guys are getting off on are kind of what if I was tasked with rebooting this, like I, we are. Yeah. It's it's starting to get down the path where I think maybe a lot of people were lost with star Wars after the original trilogy, which is bogged down with mythology. So in my head, if, if I'm starting, I'm like, what made a new hope so great, which was, it was an adventure story. And then the discovery of what this galaxy is and what all these things were came within the movie. So my brain starts to go towards you know, do you start this with your, you know, whatever character we're going to follow? And then a lot of these things that we're talking about, the mythologies of the force, what are the force? Do those become discoveries where what I'm trying to say is like, if you star Wars as it is now is very chronological, you need one through three before you get four through five. But what if, you know, a lot of people now like to watch four five and then go back, watch one, two, three. Right. What if we structured it like that to start with? What if you kick it off and it's just, smack dab in the middle of this universe, finding this universe, telling an adventure story, and then gradually finding out as the series progresses some of these, these truths. Cause I think there is something fun to 
to mm. building up what is the force and then realizing, you know, in maybe even like the second or third or fourth movie, what it actually is. You know what I mean? Like, I think we just take for granted now that we know everything about Star Wars, but try to put yourself in the mindset of being there in May of 1977. What made that adventure film so exciting? It wasn't the I, mythology. I, I really don't believe I, it was. I also think that you could tell who the bad guys were. You could just tell. Like, the way the stormtroopers looked, the way Darth Vader looked, right at I the mean, beginning. Star Wars has been stories for kids. It's always been st- moral yeah. stories for kids. I feel like Ed and I are just straight up projecting this, and so maybe this is a sticking point that we need to figure out, because I would say thinking about what made audiences connect to, to the original Star Wars in 1977 is the most counterproductive thing we could do. And I say that because we live in a world where we've now gotten 11 Star Wars movies, God knows how many TV shows, books, comics, whatever. So the I don't think you're ever going to be able to recapture but that. But th- that's where I hard disagree. That I, We're saying the same things, but in different languages. I'm saying because we've gotten so much of Star Wars and we've... Like as someone who reads all the books and all this stuff, we are mythologized to death. I'm saying, how do you get back to the core of like, what's just a great adventure story? That's fair. But I think that I think what we're trying to do is is create the backstory, because like, I don't think anything that we were talking about ends up necessarily even in the script for the first movie. But yeah. I think I'm trying to understand what footing we're on, because that's one of the okay. things that I think screwed up. I'll say it screwed up the original trilogy is that they were making so much up as they went along while wanting to have their cake and eat it too. Like this is a lived in universe. This is, you know, there's so much history and backstory and whatever. I don't know what any of it is, but like, you know, we'll figure it out. I actually agree with this a lot and I'll tell you why Uh, as a fantasy book reader, one of them and, and agree with you at the same time too, by the way, because one of the most important things that I've noticed, and this is when I wrote my first fantasy novel, I tried to start at the beginning. Uh, that was a terrible decision. Oh, for sure. Nobody wants that. It's great to start where the person already has powers, has uh, doing what they're doing. And, and then you find out along the way why they're doing what they're doing. So I, I agree with you in that I think we should start smack in the middle. But I also agree that we need to have some backstory to it because if we don't have the backstory. We won't know where we're going to go in the long run. So I think this is actually going in the right direction for all of us. Yeah, I get that. I think we just need to we need to figure. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, no. As if this wasn't hard enough already. (laughs) We're not even. Can you? We can't even agree amongst ourselves. Oh, buddy. You guys are saying all the wrong things. I want to hear how well this is going and how it's going to make me a billion dollars. It's going to for sure make you a billion dollars. Well, that's all I want to hear then, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's going to guarantee a second billion dollars. (laughs) You know what people really loved about this new trilogy? They love that Kylo Ren. If you guys give me a treatment that doesn't include Kylo Ren, you're all fired. I need Kylo Ren in this movie because that's what the people want. And I don't want to hear any more of this crap. I said it, crap, about this being difficult. Back to work, gentlemen. I'm going to give you a worse office next time. <laughs> well, that's oh, disheartening. Uh, well, great. Oh, I can work with that. So yeah. we have to include Kylo Ren. Do you think he even knows Kylo Ren's relationship to anybody in these movies? Probably not. He'd be like, <laughs> no, probably. what if we did Ben Solo? No, 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 no. no. That's not Kylo Ren. The other guy. Kylo Ren. Not the other ben guy. Solo. Who's this Ben Solo? You mean uh, Han Solo? Well, but, but also, and, and maybe we're not 
are, are we thinking of this clearly? Okay. Because we even are getting bogged down with which parts of the mythology we want to keep. Correct. Yeah. It seems to be kind of the or crux established. of the issue. Well, that's why we said at the top, what is Star Wars about? And we threw out three different things, but I don't think we ever quite got on the same page that we all agreed. This is well, what no, Star that's, Wars that's is true. about. So, that's true. So what I'm saying is, what if the solution lies in what Peter's just said? If we have to put Kylo Ren in here, that means we have to accept that this chronology happened. And if we have to accept that this chronology happened, we have to do kind of like a uh, uh, that and that would entail that we would do a, a little bit of a back to the future. Like, how do you make this saga go on, even though it's naturally over? What future challenges? What future stuff in the force? What future you know things could conceivably happen if all of it's canon? Because that's one key thing about rebooting is like not necessarily jettisoning what you don't like. That opens up a whole other can of worms. I, I absolutely agree with that. And you can cut it out if you want. I'm, I'm not married to none of that. I'm just saying we're, we're if we had to keep, because like homeboy is stuck on Sheev, I'll throw that motherfucker in the window. I would have Anakin be the Sheev person. I'm not stuck on anything. What I don't like and what I think we're going to get crucified for is just keep shitting on how much you hate Star Wars. Like, I it's got to be constructed. I, I, dude, I, I am telling you, disagree. I am saying. I, 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 disagree okay okay uh, I, I, i'm telling it does sound like you don't like star wars i like fine. darth vader totally darth is the person we love the most and he's somebody's slave the whole time and a bunch of stupid ass books wrote that he was mad about it but in the movies we just watch a slave until he throws him down the well he's a slave forever and he's so cool and does so much cool shit that i don't understand why that is the case but that, that's, that's nuts. That, that's yeah, what that. I've been trying to say the whole time. Like, why are we not zeroing in on the, like, yeah, let's f- rectify that because that's interesting yeah. that he's f- slave his whole life and he's the most powerful f- guy. What, right. a, what a great story. And he's and more powerful than Palpatine it. the whole time. And now time. we can tell it. Yeah. I don't know why we... But I, I'm saying I would I love to see him be the one who does all this jazz. He's the one who gets all this force power and he doesn't hide anything. From the get-go, Etika goes, look, I unite the force. And for the first half of the movie, he's under Elijah Muhammad's wing. And then he becomes the Malcolm X of the force. I am the only dude who can actually levitation and do stuff. I will make a large super dope army. I will take over everything. F- y'all like Sheev is, is a stepping stone to his greatness. I can see that. That's super great because then he's true space Hitler. And we have somebody to fight for probably nine movies, somebody worthy of fighting for nine movies. I think that's fair. You know, it was a little bit heated, but I think. The- <laughs> but that's what the reboot room process, is about. Maybe. That's like, what the reboot room is about. Yeah, this and is uh, tough. The I other mean, thing is, yeah. um, look, I know you guys don't like it, but we've got to have lightsaber fights. I mean, I didn't say that, <laughs> but like, that's the truth. If you don't have well, lightsaber fights, you're out of your <laughs> mind. Like, this shit is important. <laughs> I agree. Like, I mean, it it sells toys. I mean, on, a, on an actual producer level, it sells toys. It's iconic look. And you're calling it a reboot it. And then what are they going to, are they going to just like punch each other? Oh, no, what no. Is- there's definitely lightsabers. I mean, the, here's the thing too, Ron, is if you're not married to the canon. I'm not. The force doesn't have anything to do with lightsabers. Why should it? Oh, well, I mean, I guess that's true. I mean, really, it doesn't have to. And that's the thing, like. The lightsaber yeah, sword fight like without the force all the time. I was just gonna say the lightsaber could just be the weapon of people. And like, here's the here's another incongruity you solve. Like, if the lightsaber is just the weapon of zealots, all these other people running around with literal guns are like, look at these idiots using swords. The reason they use swords is because they're religious zealots, and like that is how mm. they've chosen to fight. 
Right. Here's the here's the thing though that going back to the whole Kylo Ren make Darth Vader like more than just a slave thing, you know. I don't know that Darth Vader, I'm going to be real sacrilegious. I don't know that Darth Vader needs to be the father of Luke and Leia. Part of the reason that like the saga ends up feeling weirdly condensed is because Vader being the father of Luke and Leia means that only about 20 years at the most can pass between the time when he's able to have children and the time that we meet him when their adventure starts. And and I still think it's a family saga. I agree with you. I think that finding a way to make it the, the Capulets and the Montagues feuding these two people who are going after powers is great. But give Darth Vader more history as Darth Vader. Give the Empire more history as the Empire. Let Darth Vader be a guy who is, I mean, give Luke and Leia parents the same way that they sort of did with Rey but like actually build that into the story from the beginning. Would and it, like, oh, sorry to cut you off. I would say, would it be too sacrilegious at this point to actually make an amalgamation character and have Ben Solo, Kylo Ren and Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader be the same character. So it's not, you know, like where the mask is more psychological than it is literally mm. a breathing apparatus, but kind of take the characteristics of the unhinged. Cause I always said Kylo Ren is the best Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yeah. yeah, we yeah. got. So it's well, like, easily. can we combine? Right. But check this out. Imagine somebody like that, the Kylo Ren, the Anakin Skywalker, that amalgam you just made. That's beautiful. That person has the adventure that Luke Skywalker had. That you're great. All the things that are wrong with you are just fine with us. You helped us win the war. Here's a medal. And how do you, where do you go from there? You're a slave person. You become super powerful. You unite the kingdom. You do all this stuff. And you start going around the bend and being bad. Who's going to tell you no? Who's going to tell Audie Murphy no? Who's going to tell, you know, Truman no? You know what I'm saying? Right. He becomes like the George Washington of this rebellion and becomes more and more evil over the course of time. So then we're dealing with. Interesting. You know, okay, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, if if you're setting up that the Star War was actually like a this side versus that side and Vader was from the winning side and almost mm. deposed Palpatine, right? Like, mm, so he mm. won the war. Yes. But then he turned out to be worse than the guy that he won against. That's cool. Yes. Then yeah. the re- then and the resistance then- or the, the the rebels become a real like that has to be a really like scrapped together from the remnants of both sides were bad. Now it's like, what do we have to do now that we got the worst out of and the two bad you know, options? What's, what's great about that mm. is it still has DNA of the original, right, uh, yes. the prequel trilogy, where mm. really the Republic ends up being the stormtroopers later the resi- right. the uh the uh the trade federation all the the, mm-hmm. uh, the separatists they end up being the ones you know padma even says like are we on the right side on this thing and i think you take that moment and you make it a really big theme of like your third or fourth or whatever movie you know and we've given anakin all right we're on just, a path we did it we've given anakin just a little bit more agency as yeah. to he built himself to be evil like this he didn't fall under people's purview. He didn't, yeah, let me tell you something in your ear. You yeah, know, it was like, let me no, make no, you no. worried about your girlfriend. That, it, it's just like certain, certain athletes, right? You'll, you'll, you, you keep winning, you keep winning, you keep winning. And then everything and, you do is okay. And by the way, then ah, what great, does it do? What does it do when Palpatine or the family of Palpatine comes to the rebels and are like, it's Alliance time, people. We're getting together to go against Darth Vader. That's, yeah. you know, I like that. And the political lot, intrigue yeah. of trusting people who are on the other side. And now we've given 
giving Chief more than just like your, that's all I was trying to do is give him a little, his, him, his family line, whatever, how we're going to say, give him a little bit more than let me whisper in your ear and I'm evil. Just a little bit of like. No, I get it. And I, I like the idea because again, it's Star Wars plural. So I was always curious where the other war was, but so, <laughs> no, but like there is something interesting to that where we're saying that in the backstory of our movie, there was a war basically between two empires and then it becomes really easy, right? Then it becomes, we control this part of the galaxy. We control this part of the galaxy and both sides want the other side. So in terms of defining what is this war about, I buy that. And so if Palpatine is the emperor at the time that Vader cracks his power, comes to power mm. and becomes like the the Achilles, you know, in the army of uh, in the army of the Greeks of the other side. And he's he's the thing that that flips the tide. Suddenly it becomes. All right. So now he has full control of the galaxy. He's Kylo Ren it. Mm hmm. Things are going to be even worse because he is the force zealot, right? He's the one who had the vision like you were talking about. Right. Mm. So he's operating from this religious zeal of like, I am the only person whose transcendental meditation has allowed them to tap into the full reserves of this mystical force. And I have a vision. And this is exactly how things are going to go. And it's really bad for everybody. So the rebels under, you know. The, the the refuse, the leftovers of these two warring sides, whoever's left standing, mm. start to get together and be like, we got to fight another war. Dude, this and, is awful. And a way to position Luke Skywalker, if we want to amalgamate his character, have him be Luke, have him be Luke and Leia. I don't give a damn. And I'm not trying to be dismissive when I say that. Oh. But I'm just saying he could be right? No, I he's almost this. like a demon seed, right? I mean, he, I, to, to Anakin, he's some demon seed. Okay. Luke and Leia are born under Darth Vader's rule, they're part of the empire. Mm. And so Princess Leia is raised to be a diplomat in her father's empire, like in this sort of growing fascist regime. And Luke Skywalker is literally stolen from the hospital or something by the rebels. Like that's that's their Rogue One plot. We have to steal this baby mm. that belongs to that belongs to Anakin Skywalker. And then it becomes Luke is raised in secret under the hope, the hope that he has some of his father's power in him. Because he's baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, no, think about yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, then, in right? essence, in essence, he's so important because of genetic material. What are you going to do with him? He's not ready yet, but boy, wait till he's ready. And wow, that's, that's interesting moral implications too, because it's like, yeah, you're at war because that's a really terrible we ethical. We stole your baby. Yeah. 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 And, but then think and about now, this. But now we have a war, two sides doing evil crap to each other. And now think about this. Leia is a good person raised in the evil regime. Luke is a powerful person getting calls to the dark side raised by like the good rebels. That's your synthesis. That's where you bring balance to the force is she is literally on Vader's side. He is literally on the rebel side. They are literally on warring sides and he has the power. She has the diplomatic power. That's where like it becomes a story about them being separated siblings, which was the thing that the original movies never were about yeah. because it was so retconned into it. And, and it, it should have been. And it, the 100% grand, should have yeah. been this. And yeah. I would I would actually like right not retcon. I would find a way to to enter in like maybe not verbatim, but I really like the stuff that worked a lot in like Last Jedi was sure. the force kind of Skype calls, the the dyad, the connection. Why am I connected to this? Yes. Person, you know? 
know? I, I honestly think like the, the whole explanation of, oh, we're a dyad. And so we could do things rub me the wrong way in the rise of Skywalker because it was so unprecedented. But the concept of it, if you actually built it out and turned it into story material instead of a deus ex machina. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and, and you can even have that thing about like, obviously, obviously, my dad has these powers and stuff, but I've never shown any ability to him. Maybe I'm crazy or whatever. And then something that uh, Luke Skywalker gleans from her in her rem- remembrance is used in the war to like win a battle or something. And she's like, Oh my God. Actually, I would have it. They, they, oh my like, God. Luke has, they steal Luke. He's got no powers. Like maybe we were wrong, but whenever he's around Leia, the dyad kicks in and that's where both of them are like, wait, wait a second. Hold on. Get mm. this, get this. Luke doesn't know who his father is. These crazy rebels raise him. They don't want to reveal who his father is. Yeah. Who does he learn it from? Leia in the mind meld. The Luke, I, the Luke, I am your father moment turns into a Luke and Leia. Here's something you never knew. You are the son of Darth Vader. No. Mm-hmm. And like, it still hits emotionally, but it's a totally different circumstance than that Empire moment. Yeah. I think that that, that could be like a real level up of that whole dyad. And, and you still and, get to do a little homage too while doing totally, it. So totally. That's beautiful. And the trying to find everybody, just this whole like Darth Vader as, and again, the master leader, general fighter of your army. Like, look, I got a bunch of troops. I'm not going to stand here B-boy stance. Well, so, no, I'm going to land on the planet like a rocket. I'm going to come at you. I'm going to beat up everybody's ass. I'm going to do my thing. He's that kind of leader. But and he's leading raids that like kill people. Luke learns to love like he like Darth Vader himself force crushes and murders and dismembers people that Luke has come to love his real parents himself. So it's like, no, no, no. Screw that guy. But again, that path to anger, right? That plays right into his hands and we can get a little bit of that going. Yeah, I kind of love that. And and get to that point of of and actually I love this even better, too, because. While, while he's seeing those things, that is a thing that almost can push him to the dark side, mm-hmm. right? And then he finally gets to make that decision because he gets to that point where, like, maybe he's going to join with Darth Vader once once it's all revealed. And with Leia next to him and uh, uh, and these choices laid out before him and him remembering the pain that that caused his family, he knew that that could ca- cause that to another family. I'm just putting background in all of this. So then he when he makes that choice, he has... But it has to be both of them too. I think that's what we're heading towards is the, the yeah, dyad as well too. has to make the choice. Both of the them. dyad it, takes the power away from the father. Well, yeah, yeah there's two necessary. there's two things. Number one, how does that play out when the two of them have to confront their father together? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a real like I don't think it's gonna be how how Jedi ends with Luke talking him into being a good guy. No. I mean that so we gotta think about that. But here's the second part that I that now I'm loving. What starts to turn Leia? is a bounty hunter that she hires to go kill her brother and that bounty hunter is named Han Solo. And what if we're recasting Han Solo as less of like, I don't take sides, I just do my thing, but he's literally working for Leia in the Empire, but he defects. And so now she's going after him, but also loves him. You know what I mean? Like maybe he's not even a bounty hunter. Maybe Han Solo is literally like a general in the Empire's army working for Leia. You know what I mean? Like he's I a just, pilot. He's a ti- he's like the top infiltrator pilot. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, Han Solo in the with, in this with enough in, spy training to pull yeah, off what you're talking about. He was oh, a, like a double agent. Empire, right? yeah. 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 I mean, I, I like the idea that that her love for like his function to me anyway in the original trilogy 
the way he worked made her too much of just like a catalyst character. Like her function was basically just to turn him good, to give him something to fight for. What if you flip that dynamic? What if the, oh. the real battle is for her soul yeah. and he's the one who by action and need or whatever yeah. starts turning Dude, her thinking around? Because he gets serpent code, man. He, go, he, <laughs> goes, he goes deep cover, finds out this stuff. When he goes back and starts telling her the reports, at first he tells her what she wants to hear because that's mostly what he's finding. But as he gets deeper and deeper, deep cover, he starts realizing that they're the freaking bad guys. And when you realize you're the bad guys, there's only so much of that you can hold in, even to her. And she starts maybe feeling it because you got that little bit of force power, whatever, whatever the hell. She starts feeling it or just knowing it as a person and starts to like, this person I love and trust is telling me that we're doing bad. And the war in your mind between that and your father, like you're the person who loved you the most. And like, yeah. Well, I was I was also going to my mind is like ping ponging now. So this might be related or might not be. But now let's let's get into what are the Jedi and the Sith. Right. And in this world, the Jedi could still be this long dead ancient religion that nobody really practices anymore. Yoda being 900 years old and being the last living Jedi makes more sense in that milieu. Yeah. And also, what if the Sith? What if the Jedi had a prophecy that one would rise who would tap into the full power of the force and they called that chosen one the Sith and the Jedi existed to kill that person. And so Luke in being taken in and being trained as a Jedi in these ancient ways is basically being trained to assassinate his own father. And that's why he's like Damien, the omen. And, well, and where I'm going with this is like, ultimately, that puts Luke in a position with Leia's help to reject the entire mythology of the Jedi, right? Mm. Luke Luke being like the first Jedi in centuries, Yoda being the one to tell him like the, the task of the Jedi is to murder the Sith. And Luke having to wrestle with like, I don't like the morality of that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't. I'm just trying to like, how do we get to that balance thing that we've, that we've been I mean, lacking well, in Star Wars? Okay. Well, let's also look at it this way. way. So, so sure. When you're in a war, you got to kill who you got to kill, but maybe the rebels take, I sounds, maybe sounds ridiculous. And I don't know if it does, but you guys will tell me maybe they take prisoners. So like they wouldn't necessarily kill Darth Vader. They would imprison him and try him. Like, you don't even have to say that, but I mean, like, as a sort of thing, like their, their, their ideals are not to kill per se. They'll kill when they have to, obviously, because you're at a war. But like when they have a choice, they don't kill. I think what you're I think what I like about what you're saying is that idea that like Vader becomes this example where it's like Vader came to power by killing the emperor and taking over. Yeah, we are not going to kill. It's basically the reverse of what happened in the prequels. They're going from like, how do you turn an empire into a republic? The first thing you do is by establishing that rule of law is more important than vengeance. So this idea of like, Vader has more use for us as an example of laws working than as the dead figurehead for this these people that we're about to radicalize. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which I think is more complicated than just we don't kill because we're the good guys. But I also think that that complication could make for interesting philosophical argument. I also think like if you still want to have balancing the force be a theme or be something a part of it, like I feel like 
Anakin or, or Vader, whoever, whatever we're going to call him. Um, if the force is like a finite thing and for him to be able to be all powerful in it, he takes most of it so that the Jedi having to get rid of the Sith is not because, Oh, it could be dangerous if one person it's like literally no, like the life, the force of life cannot really be tapped into by anyone else because most of it is He's, going towards dude hoarding that much powers, literally killing the environment of the universe. The, the bond, idea. the bond between all things, all that jazz. It's not just that they're that they can move more stuff. It's they're hurting the world by hoarding that. That is so brilliant. And so maybe part of the resolution becomes like they have to not. Even if they killed Vader, it would it would inflict this wound on the Force because he has basically become the Force, right? So they have to like convince him to willingly give up power, which is the one thing that as he gets more and more powerful, there's no way he's going to do. And so it becomes like, how do you do that? How do you go and convince oh. our dad to give up his power? But, and wow. also is that uh, not to control, but hold that thought. What if the reason why he's so much more mechanical over the course of the stuff is much like it isn't just that he got broke off by Obi-Wan Kenobi and he can, doesn't have legs. The force holding all that in one body is ruining him in a way that is different than Palpatine, but like palpable. It's like holding the when Star yes. someone uses the gauntlet, like you just cannot hold that much power and yeah. maintain. And yourself. half of his like is like, like how they say uh, uh, LeBron James spends a million dollars on his body. Like he spends a lot of Empire resources it would just be staying alive with that much power. It'd be amazing if like you set it up so that there's a scene where he he does have to do the thing that everybody always wanted to see in the movies where like, I'm gonna pull a Star Destroyer out of the sky with my force power. But as he does it, his arm like explodes. You know what I mean? Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. visualizing that concept of like, the more power I expend, the more it just like destroys me. Right. But I'm gonna do it because I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And that Talk makes about him- sell it, by the way. And it's a visual metaphor for how he's getting less and less human, which is echoing hella much the previous series. Yeah. Um, and okay, so now, now obviously they don't want. To, he doesn't want to kill him, right? Like, so how do we move towards that then? <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Like, because are we gonna have a fight where he kills him? Fill, figures out how to become uh, grayish. Well, maybe it's more uh, like it, how how many movies does it take for Leia to get out of his thrall? I think that's yeah, a big. That's a big one. Point. I mean that that's a great ending for movie one. To be honest with you, mm. you know what I mean? Like. And maybe, going back to Peter's suggestion, maybe Kylo Ren is the name Vader gives to his second in command. And the whole thrust of the first movie is that Leia is being groomed to become Kylo Ren. Oh, and that mask is something that's like waiting for her. Yes. Yeah, becomes ceremonial. Oh, I love it. Oh, but and also though, what's the diet jazz? Maybe this is putting a hat on a hat, but maybe... uh, Maybe she can't really take her throne. It's like the reason why she doesn't have access to her powers and stuff because the dyad jazz oh. is happening and Luke is away from them, hoarding up some of the powers and stuff because, you know, yeah, I said that earlier, getting- like both of them think that they right. maybe don't have that power. Right. But then when they get around each right. other right. Right. and, and Vader, Vader's getting more and more frustrated with her because she he he can see the power in her and she can't access it. Right. And right. It's like, why? What? What's wrong with you? you yeah. Know? And so the dangerous abusive dad. Yeah. So the dangerous thing is, you know, it takes, you know, bleach and ammonia 
together. But once you put them together, you don't know if you could withstand the gas that comes up. You know what I'm saying? You you don't know if putting them together to access her full powers and give her her Kylo Ren ship, and you don't know if you're going to be able to turn them or if them their Diane powers work and they convince each other of some third mythology, then that's what's so dangerous That's interesting about it. too, because then Darth Vader has to get to a point where he's like, do I have to kill my own daughter if this is the case? Because I'm, I'm, I'll do it if I guess, if I have to, or at least it gets Ooh, to you, break the dyad you know, thing, or at least it starts putting interesting questions in the audience's mind. Yeah. I, I love where you're going with that. And I'll tell you why, because that's when they can start defending themselves because, because before, if you're attacking him, you're doing something, you know, against the, your beliefs. But when he goes to kill Leia and, and Luke gets involved and then both Luke and Leia get involved defending Leia and themselves, then it makes more sense when they beat them. And I think that it's possible that, okay, and this is maybe this is me. And again, you can tell me this is ridiculous, but I love the idea of a gray Jedi. I've always loved that idea because to me, it is ridiculous to pretend that you can't be angry um, a little bit and do the right thing. I obviously rage makes you a maniac. But- yeah, but but I was gonna I was gonna hop on this before you even got there because you were talking about that whole distinction between like acting in anger versus acting in self defense, and the force distinguishes. Yeah, I don't know if our force does, and I know that that was something that you really keyed into from the from the the books especially, and like yeah. that's a huge part of sort of the ancillary material that was never communicated in the original movies in in any of the movies I would argue, and like. You can parse some dialogue that way, but like you got to make the walk. And all I'm saying is this, because it's such a in fans head thing. Okay. We can get rid of it. And I don't, I don't mean to be glib, but like it, our force is a source of power that's accessed by a special lineage going back to Ed's thing, right? Like it doesn't have to be something Again, it's not something that's spread out amongst the galaxy where there's tons of people who are sensitive to it and they use it in different ways. It's a thing. It's a it's a limited thing. It's a thing that can only be controlled by one person if they're powerful enough. And so it's not really about what the force wants you to do. It's about how you use the force. And so it becomes less about like, well, how do I parse the reasons that they're fighting and more just about, look. Once I have this power, what am I going to do with it? And what but, is the right thing to do with and it? And also just, just it, it, obviously this is a very, becoming a very facile metaphor, but I'm in, I'm, I'm into it. The power that we're talking about at the end of this entire struggle should be dissipated amongst the people, much like freaking money. <laughs> well, that's the that's, balance. We'll see. And that's, but okay. So that does make some sense, but that's, then how does that happen? I mean, do I th- they actually have to kill their dad? No, I think the, the whole point is like, like you said, like, I think if they, they have to realize at a certain point, if we kill him, the force is gone. He has to give this up and I think, or give it to them. And then as the dyad, maybe they make the choice to give it away. I think that's the thing. We don't have it, but it's like, you need to introduce a mechanism for, for releasing the force. Right. Mm. And that becomes the goal of the whole thing. It's not to become the most the most, you know, skilled, powerful Jedi. Yeah. It's to just, again, it's to reject the Jedi completely. I mean, I think that's where your gray Jedi comes in. Is that like, is kind of what I'm saying. Like, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's just, it's always seemed weird to me that there was these good and bad 
Yeah, it is weird. But but again, I think I think what we're getting at here is one of the overall themes should be rejecting dogma, period. Yes. Because it ruins the way – once you become dogmatic about like, well, I can't give power to X sort of people because X sort of people are irresponsible. Exactly. Whatever. That's, yes. that's kind of how the, the force has been hoarded up and used up until this time. And that's what the whole reason why these Star Wars happen is to give the power back to everybody amongst the stars, you know what I'm saying? Rather than hoarding it up through one jingoistic lineage that is by existing in that way, ruining the world and or I, the universe. I, I think I think the the long arc of the movies, however many we end up making, is you know, you introduce the concept of the Jedi and they have this prophecy about the Sith and the Jedi were actually, you know, they were originally incorporated so that they could monitor and find the Sith and kill the Sith. I mean, it's almost like, you know, black ops for the Vatican, keeping an eye out for the Antichrist. And the idea is in the first movie, you just take that at face value. But by the end of it, you're like that religious zealotism is every bit as dangerous as yes. this other religious zealotism. And so the entire point is not to be so concerned with who has the power and who doesn't have the power like the only lesson you take away from the jedi and their creed and maybe this is something that yoda you know if and when we introduce a yoda character like sort of intimates is you gotta let that go like there's some value the jedi had a point in that if anybody accessed this power they could kill the galaxy you know what i mean like accessing too much of this force Mm -hmm. starts to kill the galaxy but you're not supposed to then take it and become some sort of superpowered protector. Yeah. The entire point is, yes, find a way to just disperse it. It I just love it. it becomes inert, you know? That's the that's the thing. And, and it actually literally helps the galaxy. Like some of these yeah. for, some of these force heads, you know, I, I read what the force has done in so many books and stuff, and it's just like some of that is really I, I don't like it, but some of it is very life affirming. You know what I mean? How this force, when it gets a chance to move around the world, the universe, there's something, to, there's something to the idea. If, if the force allows you to on the baseline, feel other people's emotions, you know, have that sort of a, a low level psychic link to other people, releasing it to everybody does a lot of good because all that's basically doing is upping the empathy of the galaxy. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it just gives everybody some sort of like low level psychic sensitivity to like the plight of other people, which is kind of an, and that's truly worth rejoicing and doing the yub yub song or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. Well, we have, uh, we've walked a long road and like, we still don't have, you know, all the bits and bobs in place, but how are we feeling about where we're at right Pretty now? Pretty good, because uh, the other thing I'd like to point out is that uh, we're talking about power and choice. Bam! Ron Swallow wins! <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, we, we, I think we've constructed a mechanism by which the diet actually makes sense, right? Uh, Palpatine still has a role, but has the role that fans like myself have always thought he should have to kind of kickstart, to kind of show a good person what evil looks like and then that good person goes, well, I'm not evil in that way and becomes evil. And by the way, to do all the fun and games I want him to do. Palpatine, if Palpatine does come back and starts whispering into the ear of the rebellion, like I have a way for you to win, that puts him in a great position to whisper into Luke's ear. Mm-hmm. When you when you have the opportunity to take this power, you take it right. Like mm-hmm. he it becomes Luke. He kind of does to Luke what he did to Anakin in the original. But it's. As Luke is wrestling with like, I'm part of this diet. I have access to this power, but not really. How do I get access to it? And all Palpatine can think about is I want to reclaim what I had. And if I control this dude, 
then mm. I can. Yeah. And so like, that's, and a whole, that's like a, a second level right. antagonist. And I like to open up to it could be Palpatine or Palpatine's line. I think this whole yeah. thing of like, you know, the cool thing is like we were talking about way earlier, families, you know, families being against each other, families being able to like sort of almost like a Palpatine being kind of like oh. Polly from Goodfellas, helping people get yes. together to a gang to fight the law of the empire. Speaking of families, this just struck me. So Leia defects, right? She's being groomed to be Kylo Ren. She realizes that she can't access her full power through the machinations of Han Solo and the rebels. She and Luke finally come face to face. It puts them onto, onto a journey where she defects. And so winning her back becomes the point of like this first movie. At the end of the first movie, maybe it's revealed she has a child and she did not escape with the child or maybe even the forces of Vader kidnap her child. And that is Ben Solo. And so Vader now is suddenly not so concerned about having lost his protege and daughter because he has his grandson there and his grand. He will raise the grandson however he wants. You know what I mean? I think that could be a really bad thing to happen at the end of the, the trilogy. You know, to keep it yeah. kind of going is just like we thought we won. But now the, the, yeah, the not hope like a is bad idea, stolen. More like that, almost like. Uh, post credit scene, but not necessarily in post credits. Yes. You know? Yeah. Right. A pre credit, post credit scene of right. like, yeah, this isn't over yet. It's She's almost like, like oh, here's some floating stuff for over your crib. Oh my God. Or it's like, <laughs> or it's like, you know, uh, I don't know. I, maybe you couldn't do this. I just, the moment comes to mind, like somebody rushes in Lord Vader, the princess of the princess has escaped. John Peters running in. Yeah. Lord Vader. Hey, Lord Vader. Vader. <laughs> Not too loud, he'll hear us. No, but like somebody runs in, it's like Vader, the princess has escaped, and he just casually turns and folds back a blanket in a in a heretofore unseen crib, and is like, "That's okay, we have everything we need right here." Yeah, and it's like a tease of like the Kylo Ren, and then you could really fast forward like fifteen years, and now Kylo Ren is you know actually training to be Kylo Ren. I don't know. Well, yeah. I love it. Something then, to do. Yeah. All right, we should move into <laughs> stars. So we got a lot of roles here. We've got. Luke and Leia, we've got Darth Vader, we've got Palpatine, we've got a Han Solo. Uh, if we want to figure out how to work in an Obi-Wan Kenobi, maybe we could do it at this point. I feel like he would just be one of the generals. Maybe he's the general that helped stage the Rogue One-esque heist of Luke. You know, like... Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And I, I also like the idea that you kind of play him as the Donnie Yen of this trilogy where it's yeah. like he doesn't have power but he is he believes yeah, yeah he he knows about this weird ancient religion the jedi oh and you set up an automatic payoff though like later when the forces get redistributed in the super ultimate climax somebody who who to believe the whole time and Ooh. never got any oh survives all the way to like, the end yes. of the movie Oh, and plus, if you do it that way, you also get to have kind of a remix of the Ben. Why didn't you tell me? You know, when Luke finds out that yeah. he was kidnapped, yeah. you know, that's got to be mm -hmm. a hard moment for Luke. You know, I also add just to satiate what everybody wants out of Star Wars, what you were just talking about. Mm. If part of this idea of we're going to redistribute the power to the entire galaxy at the end of it is them empowering like dozens of other people and then you finally do get Darth Vader having to fight like an entire platoon of Jedi of light, lightsaber wielding Jedi like at the climax of this whole mm -hmm. thing and it's just and Obi-Wan becomes one of those people mm -hmm. right and so like on the way to distributing the power to everybody they share it amongst you know 
a hundred people, and that becomes how they defeat Vader. I don't know. The, fin- the final. That's Star kind of War. like. Uh, it's kind of like probably what they were trying to go for at the end of right. uh, Rise of Skywalker yes. with all the Jedi in her head, but instead, like, imagine it like uh, that movie One with Jet Li at the end, yeah. where he's just <laughs> kicking people down a mountain for the rest of his life. You I, know, I really like that movie. Yeah, I know people but, didn't like it, but I loved it. But yeah, and see again, I think this is this is nice because it hits my populist heart. But it has uh-huh. the lineage stuff too. You can put the lineage stuff and the wow. It can still have some cool space fight scenes. Some oh, for some sure. cool uh, uh, lightsaber fight scenes. And the it's, people, it's all available. And the people dragged into this family's wars and stuff. They have reasons for being in there because again, it's not just I am evil. It's like no, this is one form of government. This well, is another form of government. That form of government is very evil, but you get paid on time. This form of government is. You know. Yeah, and what I really like is, you know, you we end up in this place. <laughs> you get paid on time. <laughs> <laughs> we end up in this place where part of what the rebels are doing throughout all the movies is like they have to be very active in trying to convince people, no, there's a third way here because the entire populace now is in the aftermath of this like empire versus empire war. Mm. And so winning the hearts and minds becomes not so much a like you hate the Nazis, don't you? It becomes like, no, even in the face of like two fascist regime regimes who destroyed each other, like there is still a third way and there is still that hope. Oh, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's it's it, instead of the story starts with democracy being killed, the story ends with democracy being, being installed. Born. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, casting thoughts. Um, do you want to just go character by character? Yeah, or? I kind of. I mean, if you have strong feelings for anybody, I mean, we could the start only with one Luke. that like popped in my head that I was like, you know, it would actually be kind of a just he's kind of gotten on my radar because of that Netflix show. You I was like, Pin Badgley would be kind of a cool Han Solo. Like he's a, interesting. He's like a double agent. I could see him. He's very charming, but he also can be menacing. So that's why I was like, oh, I could see where yeah, he'd like be like someone in the Empire but then come around, you know, the other way. No, he definitely has the face of like uh, a moth. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, what are we thinking, though, for Luke? And Le- I mean, Luke and Leia. Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that, guys. Jensen Ackles, maybe. Oh, God. <laughs> Jensen Ackles as, as Han Solo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I look, Tom Holland is um, definitely the 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 type that we would want for a Luke Skywalker. Oh, I was mostly joking on that one, but yeah, you know. It's actually not not the terrible. worst application yeah. of Tom Holland at this <laughs> no. point. No, it's definitely not. Um, yeah, it's tough. Like, I, this is such a cop-out, but I'm so tempted to say, oh, you do like what they did with Daisy Ridley for The Force Awakens. Like, you just find a great person who's young and kind I, of unknown. And I actually like that idea a lot. Star Wars has never been built on the backs of established stars. Even a- Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, they were nobodies when that started. Only Liam Neeson and even Liam Neeson at the time was not like as big of a star as he is now. Right. Well, who's our what? So what's our I think it would be the ultimate Star Wars thing to do if we cast it this way. Who's our Alec Guinness part? Yeah. Who's our part where we pick an aged actor of present day Put him in there. Try to ensure some kind of faux bankability. I mean, yeah. Who do you make Obi Wan Kenobi? Like, if he's Obi Wan Kenobi, is going to be this sort of you know high priest of the dead religion that is going to be complicit in the plot to kidnap baby Luke. Who is that character? Who who plays him? I would want someone who's almost seems a little spiritual themselves. Mm. So the one that actually hit me and 
you might have to age him up a little bit, but not much, is Vigo Mortensen. I feel like Vigo Mortensen oh. would make a really interesting Obi-Wan. I think he's right online, actually, yeah. With, yeah. With, the, with the type of age we're talking about. And I think just he kind of almost has this, like, ethereal mystical quality as an act like as a person as it right. is if you've ever watched any of those lord of the rings appendices i could totally see him being someone that is both in charge but also believes in the force kind of fringe you could yeah. see him. he's he, you know he's like the one that everybody else kind of looks askance at because right. it's like weirdo with his force stuff <laughs> yeah well, uh, it, what's the guy? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean. He's like he's like this Norwegian actor dude. He like yeah. looks he's really sharp in the face. Are we going to allow previous Star Wars actors to kind of re audition for new characters? That's a big question. That's a really big question. Because um, then I Mads say, is out. Yeah, he played Jin Erso's father. He uh, played Galen Erso in Rogue One. Yeah. All right, uh, Mark Hamill as a droid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think there I think is there's room. Be cameos, yeah, there's room for, for that sure. sort of stunt stunt right. stuff. Um, you know, I will say this: I think if we don't want to go with a complete unknown, um, Florence Pugh is just blowing up right now. The yeah. young British actress who's uh, lead in Midsummer. If you saw mm-hmm. that, she's also to, in Fighting with My Family. To play yeah. Leia. Uh, to play Leia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you know, she has that sort of. She's British, so she's different than Carrie Fisher in that way. But she has that sort of regal air about her. Like you could tell that she was probably raised in a, a posh family. Yeah, and um, she's already in the Disney family. Cause she's going to be in the Black Widow movie. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. She plays. Uh, she, she plays, plays the other, other Black, Black Widow. Widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot about. So that. I think yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good score. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, going back to the Alec Guinness thing, I love I love the Vigo idea. I think there's also room though to go with someone a little bit older also mm. also do you cast an actor a person of color in that obi-wan role hmm. i don't know if that turns too much into like the uh the magical negro where it's like you know oh yeah yeah your your being, job yeah. is to but at least he gets some magic at the end <laughs> you know what I mean? he's not just gi- giving his magic away to white folks for the yeah. whole movie he's not gonna bag her vance right like, <laughs> hey let me tell you how to do this, this is space so yeah but it's cool for him to be anything we're still watching it on earth where well, those yeah. things matter <laughs> just well saying. and that's the other thing well is, yeah I, shouldn't we have some other you know, like racist, obviously. Well, well, of, could it, of science, you know, would sci-fi be, racist. Would it oh, be sure. interesting to perhaps have a maybe obviously something besides white actor playing an alien species that is Ben Kenobi because it shows how oh, egalitarian this world is. And not in yeah. regards to like racism is a big deal. It's just that we are kind of the people who aren't sort of space Nazis. No, I love that. I, I That kind of goes to something I think, Ron, you were talking about earlier is the idea of making the heroes like non-human. Yeah. And I, I don't know that you do. Well, I mean, I don't think you can do that with Luke and Leia because of the familial relationship to Vader right. and all that. Yeah. But yeah, I think making making Obi Wan a non humanoid character would be awesome because it would be it, it would kind of differentiate ours from the regular Obi Wan Kenobi. But again, yeah. uh, also we still have parts for um, I guess over the course of time we'll have a great juicy part for like kind of older Anakin like battled up. I mean, I know yeah. we're not supposed to use stars, but Denzel Washington as Obi Wan in a in a, a as a Twi'lek. Or something along those lines. Or, or I, I think Denzel Washington as Denzel Washington would be kind of interesting in that if we were going to do that. But it's that sort of stunt know. that that is stunt casting into what we're talking about. So like yeah, just but, that that genre of person where it's like you're like 55, 65, but look 55 and still, actor type still could look yeah. like you kick some ass. Tom Cruise, let's get nuts. Okay, Tom Cruise is <laughs> Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no, no, I'm there th- might be. I mean, there might Adobe be room. One. 
there might be room for, uh, you know, an actor of Tom Cruise's caliber. I, I think at that point, you're, you almost have to create that role, which I think having the leeway mm. of this being a reboot, we yes. could do that. I don't, I don't know that we necessarily want to sit and do it right now, but like no, no, no. The, the idea of, OK, let's bring a few marketable stars in and let's let's create roles for them. You know, we, we have a totally changed up dynamic of, the, of who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. Do you even do you, do you do a big name as Palpatine? Do you do do you do a Tom Cruise level star as Palpatine, somebody who is on one hand like America's sweetheart and you want to trust him playing this weirdly duplicitous role of like he's the deposed emperor now coming offering to assist the rebels. Like what is what else is going on behind oh, those eyes? Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, yeah, I would just buy this guy, but th- just sort of interesting. He's played sort of an emperor before in Gladiator. And I don't think he was given enough to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? He kind of had the uh, interesting. The imperious, like, I am better than you, Jazz, but, like, played more, like, as not necessarily the way he was in Joker, but more maybe the way he was in The Master, where it's just, like, I am so afflicted with this vision and knowledge of what's supposed to happen, and it isn't happening. Yeah. You know, and I think he could play that obsession very well. I think there's uh, uh, Riz Ahmed or or that dude who played freaking Freddie Mercury or something. You know what I mean? Like, some of these guys, I yeah. think, could, could do something like that. I don't know. Yeah. All right, well... I think that we all like the idea of, our, of the main roles kind of going to some young, fresh, you know, barely seen faces. So right. let's move into talking about the behind the scenes. Um, and I think there's a big question to ask here. Some people say it's a misfire. I liked the approach, but I think it maybe need a little bit more top down oversight. Are we giving one movie to a new director every time or, or are we bringing somebody on and saying you are now the godfather of this universe? Bless you. You know, I think both approaches kind of come with some some landmines. Hmm. I think I think. I think in theory, if we're the writers or whoever's the writers, I think the writers being consistent might be the most even if it's just a writing team as long as they're a consistent team that know that there's a through line you can use different directors uh on, on each each one sure I, I mean as long as there's a through line i think is the key and it's understood that when you take that job that you're not you know you're not uh, sorry buddy i know that you're used to doing whatever it is you do but you're not making this your own. This is Star Wars. See, I think that's where you start to get all those problems that they had with like Solo and Colin Trevorrow. I don't think that's going to fly. And it's not the MCU where, yeah, there's a bigger overall story, but you're kind of telling nine separate stories Mm. and then it coalesces. I think you're telling one story spread out. So my inclination would be find someone who is over the moon passionate and is willing to devote a good chunk of their career to seeing this through. I have a weird one. Okay. It's uh, Dave Filoni. He's the guy who did the Clone Wars. And I don't know how he would do on. He's he's just so tied to the original version of this. That's why I would throw out Favreau, too. It's because Mandalorian's great because it it has such a love and reverence for Star Wars. And it's almost like you need someone removed. My choice is a little different, but someone who really impressed me by taking a world that I understood, but it was also completely new and made a culture that felt real is Ryan Coogler with Black Panther. I would, I Mm. think Ryan Coogler could make this culture of whatever the galaxy is, this religion and make it feel lived in, make it feel real, give it weight. 
while also making it very different from the world envisioned by George Lucas's exactly. collaborators, yeah. right? Which I think is also important here. That's an mm. interesting choice. That's a really interesting choice. Uh, and I was thinking uh, along those lines, uh, Bong Joon Ho. Mm. I I really you think know what? Yeah. that little bit of extra outsiders look at this our new mythology. I think that extra bit of distance could be very good. And, and he, he's very good at showing like absurd stuff that is magically real. Yeah. In a, in a way that is like you just accept some of these ridiculous on their face, ridiculous things, but he treats them all with such care. Yeah, I was going to say that he is he's such an accomplished and and uh, precise filmmaker. Like mm-hmm. I, I could I would trust that guy with, you know, a two hundred million dollar Star Wars movie. Like I, I would trust that he wouldn't screw it up because he just knows what he's doing, which I think is. Really I don't know important. if this has ever happened before, but I wonder if this could be the franchise that sets the precedent of you have two or three people no more than three that sit in a room like here's the six movies we're doing Mm. here's every story you get two you get two you get two so that you're not trying to like bust your ass making a new movie every year it's like while he's doing part one you're doing part two and you're starting part three like you know what i mean like pre-production it's interesting because but they're all in like a quasi writer's room so they're all working together it's not three disparate Version. Yeah, don't yes. they do that in TV a lot? Yeah, I mean yeah, that's that essentially is how model. TV is made, right. right? Yeah, and I think you would have you would have consistent department heads, so right. you would have like the same production designer, the same director of photography, the same costume designer run through every one. But the the pre production work and like the script breakdowns and and you know the bulk of what the director does. Yeah, would be shared between these guys. Between, but oh, you keep it small. I'm saying like no more than three, so that the vision doesn't get too right. too wild and out of control. But if well, you the spent, four of us are going to be in the room too. So that's it's like true. There, we're, there's already seven people in the room plus I mean, Peters. So I'll, I'll nominate you to <laughs> Listen, uh, be one of the directors. I'll direct one. I mean, if you, if if, uh, if you insist, <laughs> I'll do it. Well, uh, honestly, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> no, like I, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, even this mock thing, like th- this is, I am scared of this. Like you know, like if in, if you were playing paintball and you were scared of getting actually shot, like like we're, <laughs> we're 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 pretending to do this and it's freaking me out, man. So like, but I gotta say, I think Peters is gonna be happy that we were able to work in Kylo Ren in a way that makes sense. Yeah. You know, the, the the Kylo Ren. It's like a mantle. Yeah. It, we, we do have a little bit of lived in history stuff yep. without it bogging it down and us kind of being too far past the glory days. It seems like we're right rooted in the middle of the glory days. And if we do a good job of showing Anakin taking over the galaxy, those will be great action and a great overall story. I mean, I think the biggest divergence between what the originals did and what we're doing is that we're we don't have glory days that we're pining for. It's mm. like they're coming out of this darkness into more darkness and we're just hoping for the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Right. Which I think is a, it is a very different dynamic than what star Wars had because star Wars really made its bones on like, even in the originals, there was a weird sense of nostalgia. There was a weird sense of like, Oh, the, you know, a, a, a more sophisticated time or whatever Obi-Wan says. It's like, we don't necessarily have that, which I think makes the stakes that much higher. Right. It's like this is a galaxy that hasn't seen the light that hasn't, you know, we're really telling the story about like how this rebellion makes a last gasp attempt to ignite some sort of a spark by literally kidnapping the royal baby. And and one of the main things that's super cool is we're encouraging 
the third the third option. Yeah, you know what I, I like mean? that too. Yeah, way. it isn't so binary. It's it's there's a third option. It's taking some from each, you know, and and it, that's satisfying. So gray Jedi stuff. Yeah. That's satisfying me trying to be like all oh, egalitarian to spread the love. It's it's satisfying a lot of things without being too you know overt and, I and think still if, getting sweet lightsaber battles. And I think if people really hate it, we just say directed by Ryan Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. That wasn't me. <laughs> well. We did it again. We did. Against all odds. How do you feel about this? I feel, uh, look, I I, I said it, you know, when we took a, a pause for a second. This is the creative process. This is why Star Wars is so hard. This is why Lord and Miller didn't work out. Why Trevorrow didn't work out. The creative process is difficult and it's never going to get harder than Star Wars. But I think we've crafted something that like I, I would be interested to see this path of Star Wars. Awesome. You guys, how you feeling here at the end? Especially Ron, you're like the most diehard. You've read all the books. Yeah. How are you feeling? I actually am feeling pretty good about it. Like I really am. Like, uh, and it was, and it's great that a, a, a conflict was needed for us to to really move where we needed to move. Because that's just like you said, that's a creative process. Sometimes you you have to disagree. You have to get attached to a thing, but also like still, even though you're attached, you still have to be willing to to move and and change and go where you need to go. And I I feel like we did it. Very Jedi like. Yeah. Let go of attachments. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but still have the passion of the gray Jedi as he <laughs> exists. And you wrapped us up. You told us that, you know, you like what we've done here. I, I, I really do. And I think it's one of those things where we satisfied each of the masters, the masters of history, the master of trying to innovate, and also the master of, like, us being able to still brand this as Star Wars yeah. because themes run throughout that that this shares with the previous project. Yeah, I love the fact that we really achieved what I feel is is a fertile synthesis of like all the good ideas that were kind of spread out and and tacked on to the original Star Wars. Like we really I think cultivated all the best stuff and it's like how do we put this together in a way that makes more sense from the jump so that we don't need all those comic books at the end to be like well the reason this happened is because blah 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 you know and that's our luxury and that's kind of what we're we're reveling in totally that's our luxury and that's what we definitely want people to understand we know we're standing on the shoulders of giants 100% nobody's saying that we're coming up with the most genius stuff out of thin air here like Yeah. yeah not at all yeah, but just trying to restate these themes for a new audience with a little bit of a new mind state. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. let the product developers figure out what the comic books should be about now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hand off to the Lucasfilm Story Group, <laughs> we'll and they will. We'll Marvel. Uh-huh, yeah, they'll figure that out. Well, you guys might know there's comments below, and you might have some thoughts about what we just did here. So you should check that out. I guess we could say it officially. There is more rebooted coming. We've all committed to this. We want to keep the channel going. We want to keep building the channel. We want to try some new concepts. If you want to let us know what might work for you, what doesn't work for you, again, hit the comments. We read them. We'll respond. We like to hear from you. You got to subscribe to the channel. It's the only way you'll know when season two hits and anything that we might be doing between now and then. So make sure you're subscribed. And in the meantime, check out Hot Takes with Billy Business. Nerd Goat with Ed Greer Ron Swallow. I'm producer Bill. We will see you for more Reboot It very soon. Hey guys, this is Ron. If you want to check out what we are currently doing, all you have to do is go to the Reboot It channel on YouTube and you can see our sweet faces talking about this stuff. We've got a new Tee Public store for you to get all of the cool shirts that you could possibly want. 
the mumbo gumbo, the pop art reboot crew, the classic logo, and then of course, the rebooted drinking game, which has Jensen Ackles and DJ Qualls, among other fan favorite comments. So do yourself a favor, go to tpublic.com slash user slash reboot dash it and pick up your favorite t-shirt. So thanks for listening and thanks for supporting. Reboot it.